This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now the war in Ukraine continues. At the moment, the Russians are trying to seize the east of Ukraine. Most of the battles are around the Donbass, which it looks like the Russians may take. But there has been a very significant development over the last couple of days. Finland and Sweden have formally applied to join NATO, and that is a significant development in the case of Sweden, a neutral country that stayed neutral throughout the Second World War. In the case of Finland, also a very independent nation that has a long border with Russia, and the fact that Finland and Sweden are joining NATO, and that Joe Biden, the President of the United States, has committed to sending 100,000 extra troops to Europe. All of these things are not, I imagine, what Vladimir Putin thought about when he invaded Ukraine. To talk to us now, a guest, Johnny O'Reilly, who many of our listeners have been happy to hear. Johnny is an Irishman. He's a filmmaker and a journalist, and he lives in Ukraine. And he's talking to us from the city of Dnipro, which is a key city as well. But at the moment, it's in Ukrainian hands. Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. You're not far from Kremichok, where we saw with horror earlier this week, the Russians had bombed with artillery and taken out a shopping center with innocent people dying. It was a truly shocking scene. And the Russians' attempt from where we're looking appears to be to destroy as much as they can and to murder as many civilians as they can. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, they can't destroy everything with um, cruise missiles. It's just not possible. Like the level of destruction that was meted on Mariupol was uh, primarily done with localized artillery. So you're not going to get the kind of effect, the Mariupol effect, 
with cruise missiles. So cruise missiles primarily are for targeting military, uh, well, for targeting the supply system, particularly of uh, weaponry from the West, but um, also uh, to terrorize uh, you know, the civilians of Ukraine yeah. in the hope of um, beating them down in the long term. Yes. What's happened... What's happened recently is there's been a fairly marked uptick of those kinds of cruise missile attacks on civilian targets. So it, it, it all feels quite ominous. You know, it's just a slow escalation uh, of those attacks. One, you know, it's hard to imagine what it might be like in six months' time or a year's time. But um, the long term, plan with that is to to break the spirit of the country, really. Yes, um, and in this case, President Zelensky has been so far able to keep morale high among the people and indeed among the fighters. But he did say earlier this week, Johnny, that he hoped this would be over by the winter. Looking at the picture as we see it, it seems highly unlikely to be over by the winter. What's the feeling there? Well, there's the feeling and then there's the analysis. And, uh, you know, the, the analysis is very hard to actually be accurate with that. And there's a lot of people who uh, are claiming to have fairly accurate data but um, a lot of what their predictions are, are uh, basically they're not coming true on the battlefield. Um, so the feeling is, is pretty pessimistic at the moment amongst analysts because uh, Russia have been um, making gains in the Donbass. Yes. This tactic that they have employed seems to be working. Um and it seems to be able to work for uh, into the short and medium term future as well. Big question is, you know, will they run out of artillery? Are they are they using up a lot more artillery than they can manufacture? Will the Western powers provide enough m artillery and train enough people quickly enough in order to meet the challenge? The answer to that is nobody knows. It hasn't happened yet. Um, there's quite a big, um, a lot of the, even the new mart artillery, the MH20, the triple seven howitzers. Yes. Um, a lot of them are being targeted successfully by the Russian, being taken out. So all of these, uh, large artillery pieces, they have shelf life as well. They need to be replenished. It's not just artillery, uh, itself. So, What's happening at the moment is um, the Blitzkrieg attack. The Blitzkrieg approach that the Russians are having in Donbass is working at a, at a pace that's quite slow, but uh, they are very close to taking Lysychansk, yes. which, will, uh, which will give them uh, the, pretty much all of the, the Luhansk oblast, region, which is half of the Donbass region, uh, and thereafter they will um, 
try to secure the rest of the Donetsk region, which is the other half of the Domba. Um, so it, the jury is out on how to contain this, how quickly the, the Germans, British, French, and Americans can provide artillery to the Ukrainians. Um, that's the big question, you know. Yes, and there's a big discussion going on among the NATO nations. Some are more forthcoming than others. The British in particular have been very good, it seems. Certainly Johnson has been to the fore. There's not much Boris Johnson does that's right, Johnny, as I'm sure you know, but he has been to the fore in supporting Ukraine and the people there and sending as much armament as, as they can. But every time Zelensky speaks to the wider world or indeed to any, he spoke to the United Nations and he spoke to the NATO leaders yesterday, he asks for more arms, more arms. We need more arms and we need them quickly. That seems to be the biggest problem. It isn't the will of the fighters, it's the absence of weapons. Yeah, I've been to uh, a town very near the front line in, in, in Donbass, town called Bakhmut, which is now, uh, which will be the next town after Lysychansk that the Russians will be targeting. Um, and when you're there, there, there's the majority of the vehicles around the place are army vehicles. Um, there's a lot of soldiers hanging around. You get a chance to talk to them to find out what's going on, to get an update from the front line. Um, and the, the majority opinion is that things are going not so well for them at the moment. Yes. Um, and the main reason being that they are just being bombarded 24-7 by a huge barrage of artillery from howitzers, from tanks, from rockets, from mortars. And uh, they don't have enough to uh, lob back at them. They're just yes. out of artillery. The other thing that I've come across, um, and there was an article in yesterday's New York Times about this, is um, there's still quite a lot of chaos and chaotic management uh, of the frontline troops. Uh, A lot of them don't have radios. They don't have proper communication with other troops. Uh, I spoke to a young American who was uh, with the, the Foreign Legion and he he went out there first time in the front in the Donbass, very kind of gung ho with his friends. Um, he told me that uh, their first operation was essentially a suicide mission. They were sent to a place that was far too dangerous, and uh, their their company lost twenty five percent of their men. Yes. So you know, and and that's like one of many stories that I've heard about the. Uh, attrition of of hu- of you know human resources on the front line. Right now, it's it's it, it really is uh, terrible what's happening there. Yes, and in Syria, the Russians did the same. I mean, they used artillery, and they effectively tried to turn Syria into dust. And one can see this terribly destructive tactic time after time. One bright sign for Ukrainians is Snake Island, which for some reason it's very small, but it seems to be a very symbolic victory that the Ukrainians had there. They told the Russian battleship 
to go and fuck themselves. It's, <laughs> it's be, they've become quite heroic, and excuse the language, but that is literally what they said, isn't it, Johnny? I'm sure you know about that. But it, yeah, that, that, it's a that's... great moment. It's, it's it's certainly the most viral meme uh, of the war, uh, and it's quite an, an, an unusual story. There, um, in the first day or the second day of the war, that little island, which is literally just hundred square meters, um, it's really just a lighthouse, you know. But yes. obviously, in, in war times, it's got military significance. Um, that was manned by just a small battalion of troops. And a Russian warship uh, ordered them off the island, and their response on the radio, which was recorded by, you know, someone holding a mobile phone, was "Go fuck yourself, <laughs> uh, Russian Russian ship, go fuck yourself," and they put the f- the phone down essentially. Um, and they're and that still went, there; they're hanging in there. Yeah, that 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 went viral, even that little uh, video. But then what happened? Uh, uh, you know, two months later, was that that very ship. Was was targeted in a um, uh, you know in a, in a rocket attack by the Ukrainians, and it it, it sank, uh, and that was the flagship of the Russia's Black Sea uh, fleet, a ship that Putin himself had appeared on in, yes. in different ceremonies, and uh, symbolically w- was a big uh, victory for the country. So now the image of the uh, Soldier putting his two his one finger up to the ship in the background is uh, on every single stamp in the country. Yes, it's on every it's on t-shirts everywhere. It's on posters. It is you know everywhere here, and it's yeah, it's quite funny to to withhold that. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Now, you're in Dnipro, which is a couple of hours away from the Donbass or further? It's about three hours from um, Bakhmut, so it's just two hours from the edge of the Donbass, yeah, and also about two hours from uh, Kremenchuk. And has it been subject to artillery attacks? It's been subject to cruise missile attacks. I heard one this morning, around six in the morning, and there was one yesterday which killed two people. Um, so yes, this city, like other cities like Kharkiv and Odessa, are uh, receiving a couple of cruise missile attacks every day. Um, and, and even Kiev has had a serious artillery attack this week. Yeah. So there's the you know it's it, there's just been a general uptick across the whole country of these missile attacks. Um, the speculation is that it is in response to what the Russians consider to be an escalatory, escalatory move by the West to provide these high Mars, high tech yes. rockets, which uh, have. Uh, a, a longer uh, reach than the Ukraine than the Russian um, artillery units, and are more effective. Um, there was a report two days ago that uh, quite a substantial HQ with a lot of artillery and equipment was destroyed, with perhaps dozens of uh, Russian soldiers. Uh, very far behind Ukraine, Russian enemy lines in the heart of Luhansk region. So that in itself was uh, uh, conducted by one of the HIMARS um, long-range rocket systems. And uh, this, yeah, the speculation is that there's a general escalation, escalation taking place on both sides now that some of the Western artillery and uh, weaponry has arrived into the battlefield. Just from your own experience, from talking to Ukrainians, Johnny, this expansion of NATO, this injection of troops into the region, the Balkans, into Poland, the American troops, NATO is going to go from 40,000 troops to 300,000 troops. Everything that Vladimir Putin would not have wanted has happened during this conflict. Although, as you've told us, and as we know, there is a kind of satisfaction from Mariupol or from destruction of cities, murdering people in shopping malls and all of that, which is, I understand, the, the way Russians fight wars. First of all, What's the mood of the people of Ukraine now and their attitude towards Putin and Russia? Well, the mood is still as defiant as ever. Um, I guess with the escalation, you do feel there's maybe uh, an uptick of hate, yes. uh, certainly in, on social media. Um, but that's such an anecdotal thing. I mean, you know, and I guess it's to be expected, right? Yeah. As things escalate, people get a bit more fearful and angrier. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of hate towards Russians here, uh, and all Russians, not specifically just Putin, 
Um, and uh, there seemed to be yeah, a, 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 almost a radicalization of nationalism here, which of course yes. is going to be is going to happen. Um, so certainly the people more angrier, uh, irrational, perhaps. Um, uh, Are they afraid? I don't think so. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they are. Like, I think there's a real groundswell of defiance in the Ukrainian character that has, you know, been there for centuries. Yes, and it's as as soon as this war started, everyone kind of you know channeled uh, the the stories and the narratives and the courage and bravery of the historical battlefield figures that poems and songs have been written about. Yes. Suddenly this was in the air and I was learning all about it, you know, and yes. it, 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 this is where they find their defiance, the narratives from history. And when you look at the narratives and hear about them, they for centuries have been um, at the edge of different different empires that have been trying to take them over like Ukraine means on the edge right and the, the this is something that's seared into their character um and uh, I think you know certainly w- when you meet young men and women who are heading back to the front or just on a break from fighting um they will cheerfully tell you that they're ready to die for the country and you know that's that's very uh, that's a very re- regular statement that you hear yes. from people. One thing that has happened that is positive is that they've been accepted for the European Union, at least to go through the formality of joining the EU. That seems to be a positive, but I'm sure it's fairly abstract to people who are suffering on the ground. The idea of this war not being over, Zelensky has said, by winter and the suffering that might entail, and that's another terrible consequence of what the Russians have done. Ukraine is known as the the breadbasket of not just the Russian Empire as it was, the old Soviet Union, indeed of the world. And now they can't export their grain, and as I understand it, they won't be able to have new crops because the Russians, in some of that activity, are actually mining the fields where the crop would be grown. So there is this awful nihilistic wickedness about the way Russians fight wars, take people away, take children away, send them to some remote part of Russia, all of these awful tactics that they use. And the other one, of course, is trying to starve the world, really, effectively, and the consequences for the people in Africa, for example, are shocking. Yeah, this does seem, it's, it's starting to resemble a, a war of annihilation. Yes. You know, um, this is, you know, Putin basically upping the stakes so that he can protect his position at home. You know, on the on the Russian media, you don't see anything like the death and destruction that uh, you, you see on on TV screens that, that yes. we have access to. Um, and when the odd time that something is presented, it's always presented as a result of Ukrainian um, aggression. So that's um, 
something that, uh, you know, we are heading down into that vortex. The question is, how far down will it go? And, you know, will Putin take everyone with him? You know, Um, certainly the Biden has a strategy. The Western leaders have a strategy to uh, escalate slowly, I believe. Um, I don't think they want to escalate quickly, and I suspect they probably could. They could provide a larger amounts of HIMARS and other heavy weaponry yes. at, a, at a faster pace. But I think their calculation is probably they have a, a better chance of victory if they do it slow, more slowly. So, um, you know, the, that's, that's what they've decided to do, I believe. Um, but they also would hope, perhaps, Johnny, that Putin will have problems with his own people. I mean, he's lost, according to one of the British newspapers today, 39 generals have died. Many more have been sacked. It's been pretty shambolic, even though they appear to be grinding out some kind of victory is probably not the right word, but grinding out some kind of terrible destruction and inflicting it on Ukraine. They're not really winning. They don't appear to be gaining anything. And as far as NATO is concerned, they're going to have to face a larger, stronger NATO in the future. Yeah, I think, look, I think, you know, if you try to step back and look at the bigger picture here, um, you've got to assume that Putin is cornered because, you know, no one is going to agree a peace deal with Putin. No one's going to. He's not reliable as a partner. He probably doesn't understand that. Um, so what he's trying to do is to, you know, get into a stronger position so that he can force yes. a peace deal onto Ukraine. But I don't think Ukraine's ever going to agree a, a, a meaningful peace deal with Putin. Yeah, for um, example, he could try to keep the territory he now occupies in the Donbass. Yeah, and yeah. That's not going to wash, is it? It's No, it's not going to wash. And e- e- even if there's some kind of forced um, agreement put in place, um, both sides are going to uh, escalate their uh, military positions in, in expectation of a, of a future war. So yes. I, I, I think the only outcome here is um, just the continuation of the attrition until such time that the Russians are pushed back. And uh, when that happens, the hope and expectation is that there will be a domino effect politically for Putin back home. Yes, because uh, this is is it's his war. He's taken the risk himself. He owns it. Yes. Um, and in the autumn, the 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 the, the Russian economy may start to feel yes. uh, the the heat in a way that they haven't felt yet. Um, and hopefully that will bring more people out onto the streets. Um, but the economy, the Russian economy, has proven to be quite resilient so far, and they are selling, they are receiving more revenues in oil and gas yes. than they than they did this time last year because the price is so high. Yes, and because India and China have uh, upped the uh, quantities of uh, materials. Pro- purchased from them so yeah it's it's hard to know when that tipping point is going to come 
But uh, certainly the Western leaders have uh, made a commitment that they are going to stand behind Ukraine until that tipping point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Russia have lost an estimated 30,000 troops, which is actually an awful lot more than they lost in 10 years in Afghanistan. So we have to take into account something that is rarely mentioned here, Johnny, and it's that Ukraine is a vast country, isn't it? I think by landmass, maybe the second largest country in Europe. It also has a population, correct me if I'm wrong, of some 40, 45 million. Yeah, that's right. I think it was uh, 44 million before the war started. Yeah. Landmass is just slightly bigger than France. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's a vast country. You know, a, a difficult country to subdue for the reasons you, you stated earlier, given their history and the culture. This is not a new experience for them. No, but certainly... You know, people in the west part of the country. The, in, another interesting observation that I had in the when I was in Bakhmut was uh, uh, many of the people I spoke to there didn't trust the Russians, but also didn't trust the Ukrainians, and uh, didn't feel that uh, a, a lot of them would have were equivocal about whether they were going to be under the control of the, yes. the Russians or the Ukrainians. So the further east you get the more the culture changes and the ethnicity changes and yes. the uh, loyalties change. So, it, it you know, it conceivably Russia could control large parts of the Donbass w- without fear of, of a major partisan movement. However, there is quite a significant partisan movement in the south of the country, in Kherson, that's taking place. Um, IRA-style bombing campaigns, yes. car bombs, targeting um, um, so-called tra- well traitors from Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. who have joined the Russians. Um, and Kherson is a very interesting uh, spot at the moment. That's, that's the, the next big battle, I believe. Um, r- the Ukrainians have made some uh, progress there. Every day they're taking one or two small villages over, very incrementally getting closer to the to the to the city, and uh, strategically, the Kherson sits just on the uh, the west side of a, a major river. So it's hard to protect it. Uh, the if the Russians, if the Ukrainians take that city, then it'll be much easier for the um, Russians to protect their position from the other side of the river. Yeah, um, yeah. When you think about this, finally. Johnny, when you think it through, when you talk to your Ukraine friends, how do you see it working out? I ask you that because when I think about it and when people write about it, talk about it here in the West, it's very difficult to see an outcome that is agreeable to all the parties to this. It's, 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 you know, the, sometimes you can say, well, if, if this happens, that would be a good outcome. It seems very difficult to see an outcome that satisfies Zelensky, the Ukrainian people, and the Russians and Putin. 
Yeah, this has become a a, a zero sum game. Yeah. Really, there isn't going to be. I don't think there will be uh, um, any kind of outcome other than a victory for one side. Yeah, and uh, I think that Zelensky, given the the Ukrainian Ukraine, given the support that it has now from the West, is uh, militarily and economically much stronger than Russia. So you know, when you just boil it down to that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I think victory will come to Ukraine. The question is when and at what point of escalation. Yes. So it's go- it's going to continue to escalate. Um, and I and I think uh, the most likely end game will be in Russia when uh, people the Russians have had enough. Yes. And they move against him. They don't even need to move against him. They just go out onto the street in in in, in one form or another. Yes. And then uh, people around Putin will start to, you know, they just stop turning up at work. You know, the, A it, I, I think type moment. Do you remember? Him? Yeah, in Romania. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. He came out on I the mean, balcony with his wife. And his yeah, wife. yeah. <laughs> but, but I think whatever is going to happen. It, it it it'll it'll come as a very a big surprise, and everyone think one would be surprised at how quickly it happens. You know, like Ceausescu, like so many other of the color revolutions, they always yes. seem to be really unlikely and surprising when they happen. But then, in retrospect, you know, you know, they they there were strong reasons for them, and I think that's the most likely outcome right. but there are other I- outcomes which are just only slightly less likely there have so been it's rumors, very hard uh, there have been rumors finally johnny about putin's health and they appear to be coming from sources u.s intelligence seems to have a good handle of what's and good information about what's happening in his inner circle but there there are rumors about his, his health have they any currency where you are I don't think so. I think that's what they are, just rumors. Like yeah. Putin has performed on TV quite a lot recently. Yes. He seems to be well. He seems to be sharp. seems to be healthy. He is um, 79, so one can, you know, one would expect him, you know, to have certain ailments that anyone at that age would. Well, fortunately, and, I think uh, he's only 69, but sorry, I might be 69. wrong. Sorry, 69. Yeah, no, he's 69. <laughs> what am I saying? No, yeah, no. He's <laughs> wishful thinking, Johnny. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's 69, so anyone that age is going to have some ailments. And uh, obviously, you know, he's a very paranoid man. Yes. Who, um, you know, the, the, the new rumor going around, which is actually plausible, <laughs> is that he... Um, he does not use uh, toilets for fear that uh, when he travels, he doesn't use toilets for fear that uh, right. foreign um, um, foreign secret services will try to um, analyze the uh, right the contents, <laughs> yeah, the contents, you know, right, and get details of his DNA. And the, idea, the joke, what, what the joke going, the joke going around is that one of his guys has to, has to basically carry a special suitcase wherever he goes. Okay. And uh, in, in that suitcase is, uh, is, is his DNA. Right. Uh, some of our own oligarchs around here might get ideas. Johnny, you're great uh, to do this for us, and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, Johnny O'Reilly. Johnny is a filmmaker and a journalist, and we're very grateful to him, and we hope you're safe. 
and well, Johnny, and take care of yourself. Thank you for what you've done for us so far, and we hope to talk to you again. We're grateful to Johnny, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.